Hey guys, we are your hosts, Sheeran and Hia, and we are starting off episode one of Everything Kosher with two lovely guests, KOA's youth directors, Sidi Reina and Roshni Cole. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? I could go first for that. Hi guys, my name is Sidi Reina. I am 20 years old from Bay Area, California. I am a rising senior at the University of San Francisco. Um, as you guys mentioned, I am KOA Youth's co-director along with Roshni. Um, I started as a youth rep and a social media chair back in early 2021, and now we're about to finish 2022, so it's been a great ride. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for having us on, and I can't wait to see what we talk about today. Oh my god, thank you so much for coming on. Hi, Namaskar Sarani. My name is Roshni Call. I am 23 years old. I am Siddhi's co-director, um, and I am based in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I just finished working at a private uh, retina clinic. Um, and I'll be starting my master's in anthropology as I apply to medical school. So I am busy, busy. Um, but yes, I um, have grown up with KOA um, ever since I was really young. Um, I attended my first KOA event when I was maybe two um, years old. So it's been a huge part of my life um, and has helped me really engage with being a Kashmiri Bandit. That was an amazing introduction. Thank you. Yeah, I want to be a doctor too, so I'll definitely text you after the episode. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great, guys. Welcome. It's a pleasure to have you on. All right. So I think we can start off by uh, sharing you two, if you could share a quick story of your favorite Kashmiri story growing up in the U.S. I'll take that one too. Um, so how? where do we even start? So obviously growing up, growing up away from home and also you know knowing about like what our parents really went through um just it's kind of sometimes it's very sad to know that we can't really grow up in that rich culture that day that day did like you know just to go out and be like your best friend is literally like right next to you and you can just go over to their house at any time it's obviously very different from here but <clears throat> growing up Kashmiri in America has been very different because when you tell someone, like, I'm Kashmiri, they really don't know. Or even when you speak the language, it just sounds so foreign to them. They're like, it doesn't even sound close to Hindi, you know? Um, so one of my favorite growing up Kashmiri story is I was... It's actually funny because <clears throat> um, a lot of us, like, don't eat meat on Tuesday, Thursday. Or, like, there's some days like that. And so... I was, I one time went to school and I kind of forgot it was like, you know, Tuesday, Thursday. I really didn't pay attention and I was, I was just going to get like <clears throat> some sort of like school lunch and my dad, when I came back home and I told my parents what I ate and I ate like chicken or something, my dad got so mad because it was like bombar <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know what bombar is, like, can you give me some description? And so it's so funny that we have like these little little things that only Kashmiris would really understand, like, the days that we're vegetarian on e or even, like, Ashtami days, like, how important they are to our culture. Um, we slowly find out as we're growing up, because as kids, we really don't know the importance, but eventually really learning about what these festivals, what these days mean to us, and what they mean to our lunar calendar is, is something that I definitely have learned over the years. 
I think that's really cute. That's really nice. Um, obviously not the your dad getting mad part, but I definitely think that like growing up without that sort of community and like kind of learning as you go kind of has its own character. And it's just something that like us as KPs can like bond over later. And I think that's really nice. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree. For me personally, um, I have a very tight-knit community in the Chicagoland area. Um, and growing up, um, we would host Shivratri and Diwali every year, um, always in some random clubhouse, <laughs> maybe like 30 minutes away. Um, and it was really awesome because we would always um, put on a play. So all the kids would meet um, every week um, leading up to the actual function and um, to practice their skit, get their parts. Um, so every Diwali, almost every Diwali, I would usually play Sita. Um, but then every Shivratri, um, I would play Shiva, which was super duper cool experience. Um, and um, I just have so, memory, so many memories of um, making those friendships and um, having so many extra moms and dads, um, especially at, we would do annual picnics again at this random picnic place. That's like an hour away from everyone, but it would, it would, it would be part of the fun. Right. Um, and I, I just always felt like I had a community to fall back on. You know, I always had this second big giant family where we would come together in these little functions here and there. But every time we did, it would feel like we had never left each other in the first place. It would be right picking up right where we left off. Um, if you ever needed anything, if something ever happened to um, someone, um, they knew that they could always reach out to everyone else. Um, so we had we celebrated together. We also protested together. I went to protests all the time growing up here in the Chicago area, um, and I slowly got introduced to um, the atrocities uh, of being a Kashmiri funded through that. Um, but I think most of my good memories are just associated with the functions that we had. Yeah. One thing I really love about our community is how close we are. Because I remember when I initially joined KOA Youth, I I didn't know that there were other people whose it was their first meeting as well. Because you guys just seemed so close and it seemed like you guys knew each other for years. And I was like, it's just amazing how we can just bond over so many things. And I think that's really, really like special. That's really nice. I love hearing stories about that, honestly. It just makes me so happy. So obviously, um, there are so many good things that come with being a Kashmiri Pandit, but as we do know, that Kashmir does have a very dark history. Um, is there anything that you guys would like to share about, like, maybe the darker aspects of growing up, um, you know, so far away from home, learning about the genocide and the exodus and all that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think a lot of our parents try to shield us from the truth as we grow up. Um, so they kind of trickle truth it where you start to hear things um, here and there about um, people being killed in your community or you'll hear about a relative that you had that was killed, um, but you don't really know why. You just know that it happened. Um, again, I, I, I said that my parents would take me to protests um, and how it work is, you know, we, they would, the night before would um, bring us to like someone's basement. We would all make these signs together and they'd tell us what to write, but we didn't really understand um, what the overall purpose was because we were like maybe seven years old. Um, and we would go to these protests. Um, and then over time, I think our parents realized that we were mat maturing and we started to learn more and more. 
about um, what actually went on in Kashmir, especially the genocide of 1990. Um, and it was horrifying to know that such atrocities happened to your own family, to these aunties and uncles that you consider your second family that you grew up with. You start to hear the really, really sad side of where we come from. Um, and what's hard is uh, that a lot of what you hear is based off of anecdotal evidence. You're hearing this from your parents. Unfortunately, the media filters so much of the truth um, in order to appease whatever bias they're going for, right? So if you were to look at really mainstream uh, media companies, you're not going to read a lot about the Kashmiri Pandit exodus of 1990. Even at that time, the newspapers didn't really pick it up. So now, if you're a Kashmiri Pandit growing up in the United States, your first um, instinct is to go check on the media news articles and see what the truth is, or go back to the 1990s news article uh, archives and see um, what the news was then, but there's nothing. And that's because our media is heavily influenced by political groups and um, their own agendas. And unfortunately, that makes it really hard growing up in, as a Kashmiri Pandit in the U.S. to fully understand um, the level of um, tragedy that happened. Um, and it also becomes really hard to explain that to people who are not Kashmiri Pandits. It is terrible growing up um, with a very small community that you call your own, um, set in a very large community that um, does not even know who you are, let alone wants to take the time to understand where you come from. Um, people obviously know what India is, but all they associate with India is like butter chicken, right? So suddenly you're trying to introduce this whole other aspect of, no, 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 there's this northern state, it's called Jamun Kashmir, this is where my family is from, this is what happened to us, and suddenly, you know, they, they don't want to come to terms with it. People in our own Desi community, Indian Americans who were born and raised here, they don't want to listen. They don't care. Um, and that's what's really, really tough. No, and I totally agree. And I just wanted to go back to when you said that the media really filters stuff. Um, I was doing research the other day, just um, as one would, and I looked up Kashmiri Pandit genocide deaths, just on Google. And the first thing that came up was like, I think an article from... I think it was Wikipedia that said only 30 to 80 people, Kashmiri pundits died in the genocide. And oh, my jaw dropped. Like, I was like, oh my God, like that is not even like ballpark. Sharon and I were talking about it and all we could talk about was how if we even try to like protest or try to get our voices heard, we're immediately shut down. It's... It's like there's no like scope of like, okay, you know, let's hear them out. It's their family members that were literally killed. It was them that literally had to experience it. It's just like, no, you're wrong. It didn't happen. And if it did happen, it was like maybe like two fewer people that died and everybody else suffered worse. Yeah, exactly. And then you, you're targeted and... Um, if as soon as you bring up terrorism, you're unfortunately called Islamophobic, when in truth you're just trying to share your family's story and just again the really horrific things that happened to them. And it's really really hard being a Kashmiri pundit who wants to talk about this in the United States. And I think to just like pick off of everything that you guys said, one of our biggest assets is social media. 
um, regardless of what um, Western media or even media back in India is showing, for us as youth in general or anyone who is really interested in like learning about Kashmiri Pandits, learning about the history, we have amazing, amazing accounts out there that are actually doing everything to share the truth regardless of the hate that they're receiving, including us. If you just search up KOA Youth and just see our comments, especially on TikTok, it's crazy of like how people, as you guys said, are just debunking the truth because they have sources that are nowhere close to the truth. And um, I was talking to someone the other day and we are basically victims. We are surviving victims of a genocide. And so what our parents have gone through is coming out through us. And we are those firsthand experiences that our parents feel trusted in telling the truth because... As you, I think, Hia, you mentioned, like, 30 to 80 deaths. Like, who really is going to go count every single Kashmiri Pandit from every single household that was burned down to see if that they're alive or not? Everyone's saying, like, oh, scholars said this. Well, scholars are really not going to Kashmir and counting every single human that died. Those who don't know about the Bata Mazar, literally hundreds and thousands of Kashmiri Pandits were drowned in Dull Lake to the point people could see the Janeos and Nervins coming up to the surface of the water that's facts that is history that is the history no one wants to talk about and so it really it's it's kind of sad like how Roshni said just growing up thousands of miles away and not being able to like see our parents really be in their element regardless of what they have gone through um like for me specifically um having like a family really close to my father like a family member who died tragically during this genocide um i didn't find out about it until like last last year i had known about the story of girja tiku from 2017 and i had always like always thought like really what happened to her family like how how did her family take it and all along i was her family i am her niece you know and my dad kept that away from us thinking that um, like, we will be hurt in the future. In fact, I feel like we're now at this stage that if we don't know the actual truth, it's going to affect our community because it's not getting out there. And I can I can see that so many, so many Kashmiri-funded youth are actually interested in learning about what the genocide was, what really happened, regardless of how bad um, these deaths were and and all these stories attached with it, it's so important for our stories to be heard, not just for our community, but anyone coming across um, Kashmiri pundits and our stories. So growing up away from home has has really sucked. And even social media, whether there are the good sides of us being able to post it, but there are definitely comments that are doing everything to shut us down. One of One type of hate comment that I see a lot throughout our social media that really just it just makes me so mad is that oh well these type of people had more death count like why are we comparing death count numbers it's it's not about that it just because one person's number death count number is higher does not mean anything we just want to get our truth out there we want people to care and no no number should dictate that no like we're just trying to simply get our story out there that's all we're really trying to do yeah this is not a game for anyone to one-up us this is just for us to really get our story out there and for people to acknowledge it, for people to accept it, for people to start sharing it. That's all we really ask for because right now those sharing Kashmiri pointed stories are those who know about it thoroughly. But it's it's very important. It's high time that people 
really start doing proper research regarding our community and and really see these comments too because these comments are just not targeted to one community but it's targeted to everyone reading those and then doing absolutely nothing about it obviously you don't have to respond but at least do your research to at least figure out that no what these people are saying these people being us are is the truth and this kind of ties back to our hope collective humans of paradise on earth where we do bring out the untold truth and i feel like everyone should just check out that account to see actual testimonials from these kashmiri fund the genocide survivors to just go check them out and just read about it regardless of not what you do of it but it's very important for people to know what's happening in our community I want to come back to your comment thing. I was going through your social media, the KOA Youth TikTok, and there was a comment on that I saw. It really did it for me. It went, um, where were you all before the movie came out? To which you responded, always been here, established 2016, which I thought was an amazing comeback. But then they kept on spewing incorrect facts, and one of which said around a thousand people died, out of which 286 or so were pundits and the rest of the people were other fates. Can you guys please debunk this publicly? Because I saw that nobody responded to it and it took everything in me to not respond to it. But I would really like you guys to like right now just set the record straight. Um, so for those who really don't know the numbers, estimately, whatever, um, there were when this um genocide happened when this exodus happened, that was part of the genocide. This is the seventh exodus that has been part of the ongoing genocide of the Kashmiri Pandit community. From what I understand, what I have done, my actual research on, there were at least over 400,000 Kashmiri pundits that were either brutally murdered, that were, that were forced to convert um, to another religion, or they had to flee Kashmir just to survive. I do not know where people are getting 286 from. Because if we really want to talk about numbers, if people are saying that there were only 28 people, um, I cannot remember the year, but what do you call it? The Nadia Marg massacre, 24 people died right in like one line, took a bullet to their head. Those are the numbers that people really need to know. In one go, that they just killed, what, 24 people and like there were two and five-year-old boys there? Those are the numbers that people need to accept, that people really need to know. Um, 286 probably you would find in one night or like in one hour. You could even just like, if you were to come to Chicago and group all the families that I grew up with together and asked each one of them how many family members they lost, you're going to exceed that number like that. And that's just Chicago. People don't understand how big this is because first of all, of course, like Sidi explained, the media at that point um, was not picking up on this very purposefully too. And then Two, people don't understand how much our community's numbers have dwindled over time. This is the seventh exodus. We're even undergoing an eighth exodus right now as we speak. And there's nothing that we can do without everyone's help. That's why spreading awareness is so important. That's why what Sidi does with the KOA Youth's Instagram is so important. Um, because without spreading awareness of what's going to happen, this eighth wave is going to come and go. That's the truth. Um, yeah, and speaking of uh, KP activists, I, I remember Roshni talking about the rallies and we also did a candlelight vigil in New York, which was really, really great. 
Um, and how do you think this activism has been working? What do you think there's more ways to, are there any more ways to spread awareness besides social media? Yeah, I think getting out on the streets is super important. Again, here in Chicago, we have um, India Day parades um, every year um, on Devon in Chicago and then also now in Naperville um, in the downtown area. Um, and so at these parades, each state of India gets a float. And um, uh, for Kashmir, it's always us Kashmiri pundits who take ownership of that float. And it's all about spreading awareness about the genocide and our culture. Um, and we do our best, right? So that's get us getting on the streets. Um, our community also... Um, uh, creates um, op um, appointments with congressmen and congresswomen um, so that um, United States political officials are aware of our genocide. Um, it's very easy to pick up the phone, call your district representative, and explain your backstory, why you think the, it's important that the United States government understands your um, story of your community, and then schedule an appointment. You might not meet with that congressperson directly, but you will meet with a staffer. Um, and even just having your foot in the door makes an immense difference because now that representative remembers hearing about it, just reading about it, maybe one sentence about the Kashmiri Pandit genocide, and that's in the back of their head. So then when um, unfortunate people who try to deny our genocide bring that to the stage, that representative in their head is going to remember their conversation or whatever notes they read from their staffer about our genocide and take a pause. And they'll think to themselves, maybe what I'm about to hear is not the full truth. So everything matters. However you want to get your voice out there, there are so many methods other than social media that you can do this. Yes, I totally, totally agree. Um, so I know we talked about, you know, we covered quite a bit, but I think now it's time to move on to the lighter and, you know, very, very fun topics. Um, and I think we can start off with kosher music and budgets. Um, if, any would you, if any one of you would like to talk about that. Like your favorite, like, um, song, it, Kashmiri song, and, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. I <laughs> I grew up singing Hocus Pocus with my dad. That was probably the first Kashmiri kind of nursery rhyme that I learned. And then as I grew older, you know, Beltai Manu, um, Harmok Bartal, um, Khan Majkur, all these songs, you know. They, every time I hear them, like, you just feel it in your heart, you know? It's your homeland. You feel that connection. I have just so many memories singing Chakri with uh, all these aunties in a circle <laughs> at a picnic. So um, it's it's really wonderful how music also connects you to spirituality. Um, Kashmir Pandit Shaivism is um, a very niche um, sect of Hinduism that our community practices and our music allows us to express that um, and then our music is also a way for us to mourn together uh, especially when it comes to the genocide um, and it's just you know really kept us together it's so powerful that's, that's really great would you like to uh, sing something for us oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to add before Roshni gives us blesses us with her voice um, <laughs> I'm I do want to add like these muse like for someone for especially I think I could speak for all of us here we can't really we understand Kashmiri to the fullest but really can't speak it so this music like these songs these words really connect us especially Harmok Bartal you know just just knowing the meaning of it like waiting by the door waiting for someone to come it means so much to us even all the like 
different type of versions that I've heard, every everyone has their own like has their own way to sing it, but the meaning behind it still stays so close to our hearts. And it's a way for us to really learn about our language, to really learn about what our parents, you know, how like the aunties do their one one thing like at shadis or anything when they're like humming words that you really are never gonna know <laughs> but eventually probably will be doing that like these are the ways that we really stay connected to our culture especially bhajans i know like people make fun of like their moms at 7 a.m blasting bhajans but those bhajans are so they they feel so divine to me like um when i drive back home like the first thing i listen to in the car is i say sharan and i do not start off my day without listening to that song so um these songs really have a lot more meaning to it than any anyone could ever really think yeah and sorry before you sing roshni i just wanted to um go to like off of what you're saying like there is so much community within like because our numbers are so small because of like the situations that we've been put in um we have just found every way to try to connect with each other and i think that's what makes us so special i know i said this before i'll say it again we are so close because we have community and i think i've the best thing that ever happened to me was finding this community because i grew up in an area where i did not see a lot of this i grew up um really away from my culture and i know city makes fun of me for this and i always find it so funny but at the end of the day i am really glad that i found my community so roshni would you like to sing <laughs> Oh, yeah, sure. I'll just sing one line. And since, you know, Siddhi spoke about Harmog Bhartha, I can sing just one line of that. Harmog Bhartha Praraimadanu Idapahamte Lagayo That was so good! Oh my god, that was literally so good. Yeah, it's such a special song. It really means a lot. Yeah. Like a quick little translation. I just searched it up just so that I know what I'm saying. It basically, like what she just said, um, this line means my love, I will wait at the gates of Harmuk. I think Harmuk is a place. I think it it definitely is a place. So like imagine in like you can use that in so many different forms, whether it be for your love, whether it be for your parents, your family, for anyone. Um, even Kashmir in general, we are waiting. We are waiting to go back. We're always. So, um, yeah, this song is, it, it makes me cry every time. So I'm just tearing up right now. <laughs> okay, well, I think we should start wrapping up. So that is all. Thank you so much, Siddhi and Roshni, for coming on the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. I learned so much from just this, filming this episode. And honestly, it was just the best experience. Yeah, well, congratulations to you both on filming your first episode. To all the listeners out there, I hope you stick with us um, because there's some really, really cool people lined up and Sharon and Hia are such wonderful hosts. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and we just wanted to say that the next episode comes out in two weeks, so be on the lookout for that and our social medias are... KOA Youth on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. So see you then.
And we really hope that you guys learned, like all of you listening, learned a little bit more about the KP community. And if you have any suggestions on any topics we should cover in the future, like if there's something you want us to talk about, please DM us on the social medias that Sharon just said. All right. Bye, guys. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.